Thank you for accessing this audio resource from Glad Tidings Church. This is Pastor Tim Rice. I hope you enjoy the message and receive some benefit from it. If you do, please let us know. Send your comments to info at gladtidings.church. Now, here's this week's message. Now, chapter 12 in Exodus, Exodus chapter 12 concludes with a specific provision that is related to the um, celebration of Passover. And that specific provision is this, that no foreigner was allowed to partake of uh, the Passover meal. It was, Passover was a memorial that was exclusively for God's people because it was exclusively for them because it commemorated how God had made a distinction between his people and uh, the rest of the land of Egypt, the inhabitants of Egypt. However, it's important to point out, I want to point this out at the outset uh, this morning, that this was not intended as a prohibition against foreigners from worshiping God, but rather it was intended as, an, as a protection for the understanding of what it means to be God's people. So in other words, uh, foreigners were not just excluded from the Passover simply because they were foreigners. They were excluded from Passover because they were not of the people of God. God's people were those whom he had specifically redeemed. And because of that, they enjoyed a, um, they belonged to him and they enjoyed a unique, a special covenant relationship with God. So here's the point. Foreigners actually could celebrate Passover, but before they could celebrate Passover, they would have to be redeemed by blood through the right of circumcision because God's people are those that God has, has specifically redeemed by blood. All right? So uh, this was meant to protect uh, what it meant to be the people of God, to be the redeemed of the Lord. So what this illustrates for us is a very, very important point as we move into Exodus chapter 13, and that point is this. God is a jealous God, and he is jealous over his people. God has a special relationship with his people, and he is a, he is a jealous God. Now listen, that doesn't mean that God is jealous in the sinful human way that we usually understand that word jealous. Um, God's not a jealous God in that sense, but rather it means that God is lovingly possessive of his people and that he is carefully protective over them. So he is jealous over his people. He knows who belongs to him and he watches over those with close, careful, loving attention. Can somebody say amen? That distinction is, is very, very important, especially as we move into chapter 13, which is why chapter 13 opens with God instructing Moses to set apart 
all of the firstborn. So let's read it together. Exodus chapter 13, beginning in verse number 1. So the Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me all of the firstborn, whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and beast, is what? Is mine. They belong to me. Verse 3, then Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you came out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, for by a strong hand the Lord brought you out from this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. Today is uh, in the month of Abib, you are going out. And when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, you shall keep this service keep this service in this month. Seven days you shall eat of unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten for seven days. No leavened bread shall be seen with you, and no leaven shall be seen with you in all of your territory. You shall tell your son on that day, it is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. And it shall be a sign on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep this statute at its appointed time from year to year. Let's just stop right there. We're going to read more in just a, in just a moment. I don't want to spend a, a lot of time on these particular verses because we've already talked um, considerably about Passover and about the Feast of Unleavened Bread. However, I read them so that you would notice one thing. One thing I want you to see out of these passages in, in verse number 3, Moses says to the people here, Remember this day in which you came out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, for by a strong hand the Lord brought you out of this place. Then uh, again, in verse 9, he essentially repeats that same phrase, for with a strong hand the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. And in fact, four times in chapter 13, that phrase or almost that exact phrase is used. We read it in verses 3 and 9, but it also occurs in verse number 14, which says, and when in time... Uh, to come, your son asks you, what does this mean? You shall say to him, by a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. And we see it again in verse number 16, which in verse number 16, it adds to it a curious comment that was actually also appeared in verse number 9. It says this, and it shall be a mark on your hand or frontlets between your eyes, for by a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt. Now, we, we cannot be um, entirely sure, we cannot be perfectly sure what these verses are referring to when they mention a mark or a sign on your hand or um, a memorial or frontlets between your eyes. Um, we cannot be sure exactly what those verses mean. We may assume that this is the first mention of a mark or a sign, frontlets that became 
uh, more common later on. In fact, it was advised in the book of Deuteronomy after the law was given and the, the people of Israel had the law, then God did tell them to put the law to attach it to their hands or to attach it to their foreheads as frontlets so that so that they would remember the law always and so that the law would always be before them, always on their mind, always before their eyes, always within sight. So that was a practice that, that was advised in the book of Deuteronomy. We don't, we don't know that that's the same practice that is being referred to here. We assume that it is, but here's... Here's the one thing that we can be sure about, and that is that Moses is emphasizing an important point, that he wanted Israel to cultivate a constant awareness of the strong hand of the Lord, which was continually at work in their lives. In other words, he's saying, I want you to constantly be aware uh, I want you to, whenever you see the sign on your hand or the frontlets between your eyes, that you're constantly aware that it was the strong hand of God that brought you out of Egypt and that it is God that is involved in your life. So he wanted to remind them that it was the hand of the Lord that had brought them out of Egypt. He wanted to reassure them that it would be the strong hand of the Lord that was going to take them into the, the promised land. And at that, point, um, at that point, Israel didn't have the law. They would possess the law later. So we don't know that there was anything that was actually bound to their hands or anything that was actually bound to their foreheads or whether this was intended for the time that they would have God's law and they would bind his law to their hands or their foreheads. But it's easy to imagine that whether they had any actual mark on their hand or whether they had any actual mark on their forehead, that every time that they looked at their hands, they could remember, it's not my hands that saved me. It was the strong hand of the Lord. That saved me. Strong. So it's easy to conceive that Moses is saying, every time that you look at your hand, you should remember your hands didn't bring you out of Egypt. You weren't responsible for your salvation. It's the strong hand of the Lord that brought you out of Egypt. I wonder, do you have any um, do you have any visible or visual reminders like that in, in your life? Um, I believe it's a good habit. To develop, in fact, I, I remember years ago, several years ago, someone told me that every time they saw an emergency vehicle responding to an emergency, lights and sirens, that they would take the time and they would pause and say a prayer for the people that were affected by that tragedy, whatever was happening. I thought that was that's a great idea, so I try to do that also. Whenever I see lights and si or hear sirens, I try to pause and say a prayer for those that have been affected. Um, by, that, by that tragedy. It, here's the point. It's a visual clue that prompts a devotional reaction, a devotional response. So I've, I've adopted that practice. I've, I've got several others as well, simple things uh, that I use, just visual clues or visual things that when I see them, I try to remember to say a prayer or to think this thought or to remember 
uh, to remember this. It's a, I think it's a good spiritual habit for, for us to develop. And that's the point behind um, Moses' instructions here that he gives to the people of Israel every time that they looked at their hands, whether there was anything attached there or not for them to actually read or see, that every time they looked at their hands, he wanted them to remember that they were in the hands of Yahweh, that they were in the hands of God. God wanted them to know this. God wanted them to know that they were a people of his own possession, that they belonged to him, and that he is a jealous God, and that he is looking over them lovingly to deliver them from danger and to bring them into the promised land. I mean, I believe that's a good thing for us to think about and remember as well. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to remember that too. In fact, look at your hands this morning. Try, don't look at the hand that has the watch on it, all right? Look at the other hand. <laughs> Look at your hand this morning, big or small, strong or weak. How many knows there is a limit to how much your hands can hold? There's, there's a limit to how much your hands can do. God, God only gave us two hands. Did your, your mom ever tell you that? I've only got two hands. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> So God only gave us two hands, but listen, it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter if we had 20 hands because we can never work hard enough to save ourselves from our sin. Even if we had 20 hands, we would never be able to work hard enough to save ourselves from sin. For that, we needed a Savior, somebody with strong hands, somebody with hands so strong that he was willing to stretch them out and allow men to nail them to a cross so that now whosoever will may call on the name of the Lord and be saved, redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you this morning, I know that you know this, but we need to be reminded of it. That's the point. You need to be reminded that we are not saved by the works of our own hands. We are saved by grace. We are redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Look at your hands again. Listen, there's, there are no nail prints in my hands this morning, but the Bible says that now Jesus Christ bears in his hands the eternal marks of my salvation that he went to the cross and his hands were pierced and he bled and he died on the cross so that I could be saved from my, from my sins. In fact, Isaiah chapter 49 verse number 16 suggests that now my name, when I trust in Jesus Christ, that my name is now engraved in the palms of his hands. Amen? My name is written in his hands. How can... How can he have all of our names written in the palms of his hands? Well, it's because his hands, like his love, is so broad. They are so broad and so long and so high and so deep that, that we can't even comprehend the love that God has for his people. He is a jealous God over his people. Of course, I'm... I'm speaking figuratively this morning, but the point that I'm trying to make is this, 
He knows us by name because we belong to him. Aren't you thankful for that? If you have trusted in Jesus Christ, then, he, then you are a child of God. And he knows you by name because you belong to him. And if we belong to him, then friends, we are in his hands. Aren't you thankful for that? We are in the strong hands of the Lord. Remember that every time that you look at your hands and, and at least try to cultivate a greater awareness of God's jealous love for you and, and an awareness of his mighty power that is operating constantly, continually at work in your life. In fact, uh, the Lord provided Israel with a reminder of his constant presence in, in their life. The Bible says that as they traveled out of Egypt, the Lord went before them in a pillar of cloud, or a, a pillar is a column, a pillar or a column of cloud by day and a pillar or a column of fire by night. Let's read that in verses chapter 13, verses 17 through 22. Verse 17 says, And when Pharaoh uh, let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near, for God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and they return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Verse 19, and Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. In verse 21, and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they might travel by day and by night. And the pillar of cloud, verse 22, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from uh, before the people. Here we, here we see um, a demonstration of God's jealous love for his people. He has, he has brought them out of Egypt with a strong hand, and now he goes before them to lead them to that place that he has, that he has promised to them. He didn't bring them out to leave them on their own. No, he comes and he dwells among them to lead them to that place that he has promised. In fact, out of care for his people. Did you notice this? Out of care for his people, the Bible says that God led them away from the land of the Philistines, although that would have been the shortest route for them to go. Shortest route would have been for them to stay along the coast and go into the promised land. But the Bible says God led them away from the land of the Philistines, although that would have been the shortest route. And I want you to think about that for just a couple of minutes this morning. For Moses to, to write that and to record that, for, for Moses to observe that God led them on a route that was not the quickest route assumes that some people wondered, why does God lead us by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea and not along a more direct route toward the coast? means that Moses had some 
uh, backseat drivers, didn't they? <laughs> well, why are we going this way when that way would be faster and, and more direct? You know, my, uh, my GPS, my smart, my smartphone is, is set automatically to give me the quickest route. I mean, I think it will do the quickest route. It will do the shortest route. There's another one that will do also. I forget what it is. Um, sometimes I think it's the scenic route. <laughs> um, but my GPS is set to always give me the quickest route. But how many knows the quickest route is not always the most direct route? It's not always the shortest route. In fact, I've, I've learned that before. Um, I've learned it by not trusting my GPS. <laughs> I've... Um, for instance, I was on the way to, I think it was the hospital a while back. And sometimes I just plug in the destination so that I got, I've got the time that I'm going to arrive. I know when I'm going to get there and I turn off the directions. I just want to know when I'm going to get there. And I remember getting to a place and it was telling me to turn, turn this way. And I was thinking, ah, I've been this way hundreds of times. And so I know how to get to the hospital up in Raleigh. I forget which one it was. I know which way to go. I'm not going to listen to my GPS. Something's wrong with my GPS. I'm not going to listen to my GPS. And a few minutes later, I was right in the middle of a huge traffic jam. <laughs> um, I, I, kn I thought I knew. Well, I did. I knew where I was going. And uh, sometimes when you don't listen to your GPS, I mean, it can get you in trouble, right? <laughs> sometimes it can get you in trouble if you do listen to your GPS. Um, but I have, I have learned that the most direct route is not always the quickest route. And, you know, sometimes what we learn from this is that sometimes God leads us in a way that is, that is not obvious to us. Sometimes God does things in our life that at the time, how I many knows it doesn't make sense at the time. God, I don't understand why, why this, why, why now. Sometimes life takes a turn that that we weren't expecting and it's and here's the thing it's natural for us in those moments to wonder why why God why this way and not the other way why this and and not that have you ever asked the Lord in fact God wouldn't it be quicker when if you did it this way God wouldn't it be easier if if we went this direction and you did it this way God wouldn't it be better if to go that way and I wonder if you've ever asked that question have you ever gotten an answer from the Lord sometimes I do I ask the Lord Lord why why do we have to do it this way why that way why did it have to be um, the longest route or the more difficult route and sometimes sometimes I get an answer sometimes the Lord will explain here's why this is the reason and I say okay that's that's cool I, I get that I understand that but you know, sometimes I'll be honest. Sometimes it's just like um, talking to my GPS. I, and I don't mean that disrespectfully, that God's like a GPS. Don't misunderstand me. I only mean that sometimes the only answer I get is just turn right. But God, you know, why not this direction? This seems just turn right. Turn right. And I say, yeah, but... The destination is like up there on the left, and so it would be better if I go that way and it says turn right. But, you know, that's going in the wrong direction. I want to go in this direction, and, 
It says, turn right. And I say, but this way is quicker. This seems better to me. And God just sometimes, he just says, just turn right. <laughs> uh, in fact, sometimes I go so long. If, have you ever, your GPS ever had to tell you, return to the route? <laughs> sometimes I do that in my car too. I fuss with it sometimes and it finally says, return, just get back on track. Sometimes when we argue with God, he doesn't always give us the reason or the excuse. And of course, um, a relationship with God is much more personal than a relationship with your smartphone, or at least it should be. Can I get an amen? Um, and God's much smarter than your smartphone, amen? <laughs> um, but sometimes all you hear from the Lord is just trust me. Just trust me. Sometimes he leads in directions that we, that we don't understand, but here's the thing. It is always for our good. It is always for our good because he is a jealous God and he loves us. He knows you by name. He knows the plans that he has for you. He knows the destination that he has mapped out for you. He knows the best way to get to that destination and he just says, just just trust me. He's a jealous God. And we have to understand that he is constantly watching over us with loving care to bring us into the good things that he has, that he has prepared for us. In fact, verse 22 says that the pillar did not depart from before the people. It's constantly there. It was important um, that they understood that. And I'm glad that God's word tells us he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. Amen. So the pillar never departed from him. Um, but it was important for the people to remember that they should not depart from the Lord. Because that's always a possibility that we'll try to go our own way, take our own route. God will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And God will lead us always in the way that is best for us. But sometimes, sometimes we forget that. We forget that we ought to just remain in his hands. Trust that he has led us out with his hands. He will lead us to the destination that he has for us. And sometimes we start to trust in ourselves instead of trusting in God's direction. And how many knows that's when we get in trouble? That's when we mess up, when we start trusting in ourselves rather than in God. In fact, verse number 18, did you notice this when we were reading, reading it earlier? Verse number 18 says that the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Equipped for battle. That means they knew that they might have to fight, that they were going to encounter enemies and that it was probably going to be necessary for them to fight some battles. So they left Egypt equipped for battle. They knew that they would have to fight. They prepared themselves to fight. And they were ready to fight. But God led them in a direction that was away from the fight. And why? Why did God do that? God did that because he knew even though you're prepared to fight, even though you think that you're ready to fight, 
you're not ready to fight. You're not ready for the battle. God, God didn't deliver them from every battle, as we'll see later on, but um, God knew what battles they could fight. God knew what battles they should fight. God knew what they were capable of, which is why he led them away from the battle. It's, we have to remind ourselves that it's not about, what's best is not about what's in my hands. It's not about what I think is best for me. I have to trust that God knows me by name, that I'm his child, that I am his possession, and that he watches over me with a, with a jealous love. And he knows what decisions and he knows what choices are best for me, and I must be willing to follow his direction. Amen. And believe that he's going to get me to the destination if I will learn to trust in him. Thank you for listening today. If you have any questions or would like more information about following Jesus Christ, please contact us at gladtidings.church. If you live near Dunn, North Carolina, please consider visiting our church on Sunday mornings at 1030. You can also download our church app in the iTunes or Google Play app store and receive updates and notifications. You may use the app to make a financial gift to help support our ministry. God bless you.